Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past Sunday, Jason had the AM slot, and he preached about fellowship. Our theme this year is Finish What Was Started. And so his lesson was, Fellowship Helps Us Finish What Was Started. And we'll kick that back to Jason here in just a minute. But in our podcast today, we want to talk about fellowship. That that word just brings a lot of different ideas of different people's minds. And some of them are biblical, some of them are not biblical. And so we want to, first of all, walk through the sermon. The sermon is available on our website. Great lesson, great points about how important it is that we have a fellowship in Christ. And that is desperately missing today. There's a lot of people out there that are just lonely. And what they're missing is that friendship, but particularly a fellowship in Jesus Christ. So Jason, let's talk about the lesson. I appreciate it. We started in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, and it is such good news. I don't know where you are or what you're doing as you're listening, but 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 is worth thinking about deeply today. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we talked about how that's an opportunity made available by the grace of God. It's it's good news that is calling for a response. You were called, and he tells us what we are being called into, right? Into the fellowship, into something that is bigger than just me as an individual. It is a a new relationship that revolves around God. And so we moved from 1 Corinthians 1 to 1 John 1 and just tried to emphasize that when you answer that call and I answer that call, something happens according to John. We enjoy fellowship not just with God, but with each other. And there are lots of ways that the Bible describes this. It's communion, agreement, being a part of one body, being a part of God's family, his community, being a member of something larger than ourselves. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Answering this call for unity, partnership, being in full accord. And we spent the last few minutes just exploring, especially, like you said, through the lens of our theme. How does this fellowship help us finish what was started? Well, it it gives us people who are looking after us, and we have the opportunity to look out for each other and cheer for each other, suffer with each other, rejoice with each other, and ultimately participate together in the work of Christ. Let's begin, first of all, with that uh, our key verse in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, just just to put uh, some understanding on that great verse, it began by saying God is faithful. And and let's talk about what that means to be faithful. You know, we we think about a dog being a faithful companion. We we hear at the wedding uh, vows to be faithful and true to one another. 
What does it mean when, when the Bible says, and it says it over and over from Old Testament to New Testament, that God is faithful? What does that mean? Yeah, I would camp right there that human example that you just gave of uh, a, a wedding couple. Um, when we read about God's faithfulness, especially as it is unveiled in the Old Testament, sure does seem to me like it is often flying in tandem with a covenant relationship, right? I am yours, you are mine, God says to Israel, you are to be faithful to this covenant. And all that a covenant is, of course, is an agreement established on expectations and promises. This is what I expect of you. This is what I promise to you. I'm, in a sense, putting myself out there on the line, and I expect you to do the same. And if I live up to my side of that agreement, God describes that as being faithful, right? There is faith being exercised. This is what you can expect of me. And of course, God, throughout both Old and New Testaments, throughout human history, God keeps his promises. God does exactly what he tells us he's going to do. And I think that's a key aspect, that God keeps his promises. God is faithful. If God said it, it's going to be. And and we know that because that's who God is. That's his characteristic. Well, you know, in any discussion and in any conversation, it's very important for everyone to be on the same term with words. You know, some of the disagreement sometimes in a house between teenagers and parents is they don't speak the same language. And it is important that we come to terms with the words we use. So when we use this word fellowship, a lot of ideas. Some people, first of all, think of fried chicken and sit down and eat in a Sunday lunch with somebody. Other people think about a, a particular room. There is a fellowship room. Some come in their mind of, of a like a high school gym, uh, uh, something attached to the church building. That's where they play ball. It is a fellowship hall, they would call that. So the word has lots of different connotations. But when we put it back in the Bible, because that's what we're interested in, how does the Bible use that? What what does the word fellowship mean? Yeah, we, um, from the outset of the lesson, highlighted a couple of words that fellowship speaks to or implies. They, they're close synonyms. Uh, participation is one of them, but we're not talking about participating in a softball league, right? It's bigger than that. It's, it's sharing, but it's much more than just sharing uh, coffee together on a Wednesday afternoon. It's having things in common, but it's much more than, hey, you like the same sports team that I like. It's, it's partnership, but it's certainly not business partnership or, or or things that we would think of maybe naturally along those lines. I really do think 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 is enormously helpful because it is fellowship of his son that Paul describes. In other words, we could have all that that word means is, okay, we're participating together, we're sharing, we're partnering, we have these things in common. We could have a fellowship of video games. We could have a fellowship of uh, softball. We could have, you know, one of my favorite works of fiction is the fellowship of the rings. But when God talks about 
in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We need to make sure, okay, Jesus is at the head here. First of all, we're listening to him. We're allowing him to define the bounds and expectations of this fellowship. He's the one who's calling us by his grace. And so let's make sure that if he's not talking about fried chicken, we're not talking about fried chicken. If he's talking about something much more substantial than softball and business, then we're doing the same sort of thing. And so the... the Root Greek word is the word koinia, and, and it means joint participation. Yeah. So it's two people doing something together. So fellowship is not uh, just sitting there and watching somebody on stage. That's right. not fellowship. You're engaged in some activity. And it begins, first of all, between the disciple and God. Right. We have fellowship with God. We are participating with God. And and one of the verses you used was First John chapter one, verse seven, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, there's the fellowship. Right. We're walking with Jesus. Uh, it says, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So our fellowship is vertical first, and then it becomes horizontal. And it becomes horizontal as we engage in spiritual activity with others. And so that, that brings about this idea of this joint participation. Now, one of the great places I really like is in Second Corinthians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul, he this word koinia is found on almost every verse. And what he does is he just uses different words in, in our English Bibles, but they all help us to understand what we mean. And in the context, he's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about uh, things that are right with things that are wrong. And you cannot participate with right while you're still participating with wrong. And so he says in Second Corinthians 6, verse 14, do not be bound together, that's that word, bound together, with unbelievers for what partnership, there's that word again, has righteousness with lawlessness or fellowship, there's our word, has light with darkness. What harmony, there's that word again, has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common, there's that word again, with an unbeliever. What agreement, verse 16, there's the word again, has a temple of God with idols. For all temple of the living God, just as God said, and it goes on to describe this relationship with God. Right. So, so what he's doing here is showing that it's not just you know somewhere in my wall. If I dig deep enough, I'll find a library card, and 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 I belong to this library. I belong to this club. Uh, you know, I I don't go to it. I don't have any action to it. It's just a card in my wallet. No, no. The, this is this is something that takes participation, takes activity. It takes us doing things together, and that's kind of the root behind all of this. Right, right. You highlighted from First John chapter one verse seven. You know, I would back up a little. To verse 3, and that is that vertical description you're talking about, that vertical relationship with God. John says, what we've heard and seen, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, with those eyewitnesses, with the apostles, the earliest disciples of Jesus. And indeed, our fellowship is with And whatever he says next is really important, right? I mean, if this is just a Greek speakers club or, you know, a a native Galileans organization, then, well, you know, I, I can take that or leave that. That was a long time ago. I don't live in that part of the world. But if 
John and other men and women like him had fellowship with the Creator and with his Son, Jesus the Christ, well, I need that, right? Because not only is he my creator, but I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need to have my life transformed and healed. And this is the way. This is the door. Fellowship is the door into that relationship you're describing. You see every once in a while these bumper stickers that say coexist. Yeah. And that, that word coexist is made of religious symbols. Uh, they cover everything from pagan to Jewish to astrology to everything. And the concept is we all get together. We're, we're all in this together. We're all in the fellowship. But, but, there, but there's no vertical there. Uh, the God of a Muslim, the God of an astrologer, the God of a pagan, it's not the same God. And so if there's no vertical, there can be no horizontal. And, and the fallacy, I mean, you can put all kinds of bumper stickers you want on your car, but unless there's some foundation begins first between me and God being in fellowship, I can't be in fellowship with someone else unless they are also in fellowship with God. That's, that's the premise of 1 John, and that's, that's a, a great thing that we need to appreciate about that. Now, as we think about the word fellowship, talk a little bit more about this. Is this just another fancy way of saying the word unity? Well, I again, we could be united in Judaism. We could be united in paganism. We could be united in all sorts of things, right? We, we hear calls for unity based upon nationality or common interests. There's, there's all sorts of unity efforts in our culture and in the, the broader world around us. But what the Bible is calling us to is to recognize, okay, number one, we, no matter where or when we live as human beings, we all share in the greatest problem of humanity. And it is not global warming. It is not simply crime in and of itself. It's not economic issues or cultural issues. The greatest root problem of all for every single human being is sin, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God for which we were created. But as you brought up earlier, and as much of First John is all about, Jesus is God's answer to humanity's greatest problem. And so we're not just talking about unity generically that, hey, you know, why don't you tell me what you think? And if I can go along with that, then, you know, together we'll go in whatever way we want to go, right? A lot of us can very easily slip into the mindset that the world would be a better place if everybody just thought the way that I do. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about recognizing Jesus is the Lord of the universe. Jesus is the lamb provided by God to atone for the sins of humanity. Jesus is the answer to our greatest problem. 1 John 1, 3 tells us fellowship with the Father is available through Jesus and then in verse John chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light. 
In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen to this, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so I I would suggest unity is a great idea, right? But if together we are unified and still in our sins, there's a really big problem. If together we're unified, but the blood of Jesus God's son hasn't cleansed us from our sins. We're missing out on what matters most of all. So, so the the first John verses bring up that idea and the need to be united with God, to be to be in fellowship with God. Right. That leads to another question. I think a lot of people land here. Okay, I understand I've sinned. I understand what the Bible teaches. I need Jesus. Why do we need each other? Yeah. Why can't it just be me and God? Why can't I fly, fly solo with God through this life? Well, first of all, the great physician knows exactly what we need, and this is what he has prescribed, right? He has called us to be a part of something larger than ourselves. I need accountability. I I need encouragement. There are very dark nights and difficult weeks, months, years where I need the support of others. I need people to suffer with. I I need people to rejoice with. As we're told in the book of Acts, as the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give even than to receive. And so I need to be a blessing to each other. Nowhere in the New Testament do we get the idea that, well, if you don't like the church, just as long as you have a relationship with Jesus, that's really all that matters. No, I need to be a part of something larger than me. And I, and I think the real uh, telltale illustration of this is when so many places were shut down during COVID. Yeah. Uh, so many of us were at, in our front rooms watching on TV or on our tablets, and we were singing along. But, uh, you know, if there's only two of you singing, it's, it's just fair as it can be, you know. <laughs> but when you get back to the church house, you see everyone, and you got 200 people singing with you. What a difference that is. And what encouragement that is. And what support there is. And... And, and so th- that's why God made us to, to need each other. I mean, when God first created mankind, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. And, and God knows that. And that, that covers our physical, our spiritual, our mental and emotional. We need each other. And so that's one of the parts of fellowship that, that is so invaluable. And so our fellowship is, is something that's very special and sacred. And we need to realize what a gift and what an honor it is. Right. Now, what does it take to establish a fellowship, and then what does it take to keep it going? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses me from my sin. And when I am cleansed from my sin, First John chapter 1, indeed I have fellowship with the Father and with Jesus the Lord. What do I need to do to maintain it? Well, verses 5, 6, and 7, I've got to walk in the light. As he is in the light, I've got to allow God to establish my conception of life the way it was meant to be. I've got to submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I've got to follow him. 
and that's it. And and Satan will will understand how important our fellowship is, and he'll try to divide it. He'll try to get us angry with each other. He'll try to split the church. He'll try to do all kinds of things like that because fellowship is powerful. And fellowship is just a reminder. Sometimes we, we may come in and we're feeling kind of down in the dumps. Things aren't going well. But around each other, we, we get the priorities right. We get the principles right. And we leave strong. Satan knows that. And so he'll, he'll try to get member fighting member and, and get our eyes off who the real enemy is. And that's him. And so what a great, great lesson about fellowship and how we need to honor it, appreciate it, and then take advantage of that. And to realize it doesn't just come in when you walk in the building on Sunday morning and then when you leave, it flips off. This is a relationship. Just as a husband and wife may go different ways in the morning, go each going to different places, but they're still married. They have that relationship. Just as you and God have that relationship wherever you are, there's a relationship with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. And that, that is something that really helps us as we walk through this life. Roger, we've got an opportunity to participate together even this evening, and we're thankful for it, right? You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yes, and again, we're kind of taking off of our theme, uh, finish what was started. So we're talking about things that were started. And we're in a segment, we're talking about the church. And so we're going to start focusing upon the church we read about in the Bible and how it came to America and look at some lessons along that line. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and we're going to talk about the beginning of descendants from Jacob. Lots of sons born to Jacob, and it forms the backbone, those few chapters that we'll dive into this evening, uh, the entire backbone of the nation of Israel. We'd love to have you join us, whichever class you're a part of, at 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. Lord willing, this coming Sunday morning, I've got the opportunity to preach again at 9.30 a.m. We've got a great theme. In many ways, it takes us back to some fundamentals that are just healthy to think about as a church family, healthy for young generations to learn about, healthy for those who are seeking to to be exposed to. And so we're just going to continue on that same theme idea, and we'll explore how the Lord's Supper helps us finish what was started. What about you at 5 o'clock p.m.? We are looking at a series from the book of Job. We're talking about life lessons from Job. This will be part two of a three-part series, and we're going to talk about lessons from Job's friends. The bulk, the bulk of that book is about these conversations. And so we're going to pull out some thoughts and some lessons from there and talk about lessons from Job's friends. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to have you come and grow with us.